All right, well, we are, as I was going to say, we're at the last week of the year, but I was reminded this morning it's actually the last Sunday for the decade as well. Um, yeah, I was surprised too. Was... And what, what I want to do today, just, just for a little while, is, is just look back a little bit to see what has God been up to amongst us as a community this year? And what value do we get in in actually looking back and seeing what God's been up to. Um, I think looking back to see that God's been present and God's been at work and God's been with us and God's been leading us, it does a couple of things. One of the things it does, it allows us to move forward into whatever's next with confidence. It allows us to develop that trust, that deeper trust in God because we see that He's been faithful and that we know his character is to continue to be faithful, and so our trust will develop, um, and also our confidence in that he's leading us into something that is good for us. Um, we can look back at our journey as Coast Community Church over 20, nearly 30 years, and, and it's really evident that God's been leading the way all the time. And it makes sense, because it's actually his church. So it makes sense that he is doing what he wants to do with his church. Um, so it can give us that real confidence and trust and, and, and just that steadfastness that says God, God is doing something in his church and we just want to be people who follow in that space. On Christmas Day, we explored the truth that we are invited into a story that's so much bigger than ourselves and it's actually God's story. And one way we can remain in his story and not get off track and not go and do our own thing is to remember who he is, what he's like, and what he's invited us into. Now, remembering is a really key theme throughout Scripture. Remembering. Imagine if you saw a miracle in your life, and maybe some of you have, a real miracle where there was no other way where something could shift or happen other than God intervening. Imagine if that was your experience. Wouldn't you say that if only I had a moment like that, I would never doubt God again. I would never be untrusting. I would just be so convinced of who he is and what he's about that my life would look different if I just had that one experience. I know I've thought like that before in the past, but then you read scripture and you get a different picture. See, let's take the nation of Israel, for example, in slavery in Egypt. And then through God's numerous miracles, led by Moses, this whole nation of people escaped slavery. They come through the Red Sea where literally the waters parted. And then they're in the wilderness and this food just keeps appearing out of nowhere and the water is coming out of the rocks and all this stuff's just going on, miracle after miracle after miracle. And what we see with that group of people is it's really easy to forget who God is and what he's done. And they've had so many miracles happen right in front of their eyes, stuff that, that I will probably never experience and you will probably never experience. But there's something about that. So when Moses is leading the people into the 
wilderness and he goes and connects with God and God gives him these commandments, these, these principles to live by, to help them live with God and with one another really well. We see this in the very first one. God spoke these words. This is the start of the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God, and here's the remembering part, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So right with the very first commandment, he's instilling in the people, you need to remember who I am and what I've done. Because if you don't, very quickly you will shift into worshipping other things that are not the true God. Now I, I can sit here and go, I've read those stories as if you would do that. After all those experiences, as if you would do that. And then, as we go through the story of the wilderness for 40 years, at the end of that 40 years, they were about to enter the promised land. The land that God had promised right back to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Moses had led the people for 40 years and he's standing on Mount Nebo looking at the promised land and God says to him, you're not going to enter, you're actually, your, your story ends here, Moses. And so Moses gives the people this really clear instruction. It's called the book of Deuteronomy in our Bible. The book of Deuteronomy is about one day in history, where Moses is speaking to the people, this is what's happened, this is where we're going, this is what you need to do. Listen carefully. Now, it's the last thing Moses gets to say to his people, so you would think he would be very careful in what he would say. Very intentional about what I want to pass on to you. And the theme behind it is remember. Remember who God is and what he's done. In fact, some of the phrases, if we could put them, it's nearly like, remember not to forget. Don't forget to remember. Or you need to remember to remember. And then we get some of this out of Deuteronomy. This is Moses speaking. He says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. That's one way we remember things is to tell stories. And we hear a story and we tell that story to our kids and those kids will grow up and they don't want to do what their parents did but they will and they'll tell that story to their kids, particularly dad jokes, you get them passed down for generations but we still use them. But later on in the book of Deuteronomy, look at this. So this is Moses. When you people have eaten and are satisfied, this is in the promised land, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks have grown large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
And you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to his ancestors as it is today. Moses predicted what would happen. And as we read the story of the Israelites in the promised land, this is what happened. And I I sit back and go, surely not. Surely if you witnessed all of the miracles and faithfulness of God, you would not let that slip your memory. And I read this passage and I go, gee, there's some stuff in that for us. We just looked a couple of weeks ago at the churches in Revelation. And the church in Laodicea, the last one we looked at, sounds very familiar to this. You know, when when you've got your nice house and you've got your income and you've got your wealth and you've got all these things, it's really easy to forget God. See, God's biggest, God's people's biggest danger is actually forgetting their story. Who we are and whose we are. We are God's people. We are not masters of our own destiny. We did not create ourselves. We do not decide our eternal fate. That's not up to us. God is the one who does that and we should not forget God. So how can we remember to remember? Well, throughout Deuteronomy, there's a number of things that Moses says to his people. Here are some of the things, and I reckon they would resonate with us really well. Some of the things he says that would help us to remember to remember God is teach your children about it. Tell those stories. Proclaim your faith to others. Talk about what you believe. Observe the Sabbath. That rhythm of life where God says, this is the best way for you to live. Work for six and rest on the seventh. And on that day of rest, enjoy God and his blessings and his provision. Give thanks for all your blessings. Helps us remember God because none of it comes from us. And if we keep giving thanks for that, it helps us put God back in the picture. Confess your sins. Realise you are not the master of your own destiny and that that God is holy before us and to be in his presence. There are some things that get in the way and, and when we confess that and that's restored, that's a beautiful place to be. Tithing, Moses talks about, which is what we just did before with our giving. Realise that all we have is actually a gift from God anyway. So to give some back to him is a natural response. And then he spends a fair bit of time talking to the people before they step into the promised land about displaying justice and compassion towards those who you employ, to immigrants, to orphans, to the widow and to the poor. All these things I reckon we would resonate with. There we go, these are good things to do, a good way to live. And doing these things reminded the Israelites of their story and that God is central in their story. But when they stopped doing these things, we see scripture unfold, they started to steer away from God and and put their faith and their hope in other things. 
The one out of this that I just want to spend a little bit of time on this morning is the practice of giving thanks. Giving thanks for everything that happens in our life, whether we perceive it to be good or bad, positive or negative, giving, thing, giving thanks for everything actually positions us to remember that God is central in the story. It's not about me, it's not about you. We are involved in the story, but it's not our story, it's God's story. Paul writes to a church in Thessalonica and he, he says this, you'd be familiar with this passage, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this is God's will for your life. That's pretty clear. God's will, what he desires for you and me, is that we would have this attitude of gratitude, that we give thanks for all, for all circumstances, not just in the things you think make you happy. Give thanks to God in all circumstances. I know enough of you in this room to know that when something bad happens in life, whether it's a health issue, whether it's relationship breakdown, whether it's financial distress, whatever it is, that it's those times you actually push into God and grow closer. And nearly everyone you talk to who explains that sort of situation says, you know what, it was hard, but I wouldn't change a thing. Whereas initially, when that first thing happens to us that we would perceive as negative, our immediate response often is we want to wish it away, pray it away. God, take this thing away from me. But God can use all circumstances, all circumstances for his good and for his purposes, and we can give thanks for all circumstances. It's a pretty cool picture. On Celebration Sunday, we had these little flyers out in the foyer, I am grateful for. Now, I just want to read a few of them for you. I don't know who wrote these. They've got no names on them, which is good. But these are some of the things that people have been thankful for this year across Coast Community Church. I'm grateful for every person in this community of faith and the way they encourage one another. I'm thankful that God has made me bold enough to be able to grow my spiritual friendships and that he gave me those friends in the first place. I'm thankful for my church family and their love and support. I am thankful that my son is now back in my life and for this wonderful community. I am so thankful for our youth and the leaders. Thank you to Aidan, Karen, Caleb and Eleanor. They are amazing leaders and examples to our youth. Thank you. I am grateful how God has strengthened Christian friendships where I can be known, accepted, loved, helped, supported and then given opportunities to know, accept, love, help and support others in the name of Jesus. I am thankful that Coast Community Church is my home. I am thankful for all that God has done in my life, but especially since going to retreat this year. Something awesome. He is awesome. He is awesome. 
thought I said the is awesome. Uh, he. he is awesome. I am thankful for having a house, for having a mum and dad, and for our family that lives close to us and for the Coast Christian School. That one does have a name on it, but I won't read the name. I am thankful for this church helping me find God again. And then this one blew me away. I am grateful to be alive, thanks to God. Two years ago to the day I went into hospital in a coma. In his mercy, God allowed me to live, keeping my family whole. We are excited to serve him at Coast Community. Just a real little snapshot of, of us as a community that we can go, you know what, no matter what life is looking like, we have reason to be thankful to God. And when we are thankful to God, it places him back central. And no longer is life about me or about you. It actually is about God and the story he's invited us into. So from a biblical perspective, remembering, being thankful, remembering, it looks like being really intentional in reflecting on God and thinking carefully about what he's said and what he's done and who he is. It's actually telling our story over and over with God being central. Thanking him, praising him for rescuing us and for giving us the gifts. What I loved about some of those, that there's this essence of God has gifted me so I can use those gifts for the sake of others. And that's what a church community looks like. And that's worth praising God for. Acknowledging who we are and whose we are. I should have asked permission. Amy, I'll ask permission now. Can I tell a story about your driving? Yeah, okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> my Amy's learning to drive at the moment. Oh, she doesn't even know this. It's not actually a story about your driving. But I'm sitting in the passenger seat as Amy's driving and naturally I just wanted to see what was going on behind me. So I looked up to where the rear vision mirror should be if I was sitting in the driving seat and, and realised obviously it's not there because I'm in the passenger seat. And it just reminded me of, like a rear vision mirror when driving is really important. It helps to see where you've been, but it also helps to see what's going on behind. Because knowing what's going on behind informs you as to decisions you make in the way you're going forward. But in relation to the windscreen in a car, the rear view mirror is actually quite small. Now, it's good to look back. And it's good to see where God's been faithful and where God's been at work. But the only reason we would do that is to go forward with confidence. And so the windscreen is so much bigger in a car than the rear view mirror. Both are important, but we need to spend the majority of our time looking through the windscreen, not at the rear view mirror. And so as we move into the next decade, the next year, where is God taking us? Now, this was launched earlier this year. This is our focus for next year. Just like our focus this year, you can see the signs on either side about being a sanctuary vibrant with life. That was our focus. And our focus for next year is that God is calling us to enlarge our house, to build an addition, 
spread out your home and spare no expense. And it really is about lifting our eyes and saying, how can we be Jesus to those in our community? This is not about a building project per se. This is about how do we welcome people in? How do we be hospitable to others? How do we get people in close proximity so they can see what Jesus is like through us as a community? Because if we truly believe that a life with God, being in God's story is the best thing, we want to invite others into that. Now this is our focus. Our, our, our vision as a church does not change. You can see the vision on the big banner when you walk in the first set of doors. That we want to be a church that is healthy, growing and full of love. And that everything we do fits into that parameter. That, that anything going on is healthy and growing and full of love. But our focus for next year is that we feel God's leading us into something that is, is going to be new for us, that will stretch us, that will call each of us to actually step in and be part of it because it'll be our story as God leads us in his story. It's actually pretty exciting and it's something every one of us can do. We are part of this house. We can invite people into this space. We can host people well. We can make them feel welcome and loved and accepted. You can do that in your own home where you can be intentional about who are you inviting over for a meal. And it's not about having your home spotless and putting on a gourmet dinner. It's not that at all. Spare no expense is not just talking finances, we're talking your energy, your time, your talents. Like spend yourself for the sake of the kingdom. I really feel this is a direction that God has been preparing us for as a church for quite a few years. We've gone through a long season actually of going deeper, getting people to go deeper with God, deeper with God. If we put a term on it, it's stuff around spiritual formation, it's our retreats, it's our, it's our tree of life discipleship model, it's all those things that are helping us be good followers of Jesus because we're connected like the branches to the vine. And out of that space, we can expand and invite people into that. It really is a cool picture. But what I want to finish with this, that the one thing from memory that to remember or to review or to not forget that is central to all Christians, regardless of the denomination of the church structure, whatever, is, is around communion. And we're going to celebrate communion together now. And if you have your kids with you, parents, it's absolutely your call if, if you want your kids to take communion with you and you are free to do that. Um, and in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come up out of, out of your seat and around the room, there's a number of tables where you can take the elements the little bit of juice representing his blood and the little bit of bread representing his body. Because throughout Scripture, we are reminded, and this is in Luke's Gospel, what we know as the Last Supper, and when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfilment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks. 
I love that, based on what we were just talking about. He gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So if we come to a time of communion together, can I invite you now to hop out of your seat, come and take the elements, come back and sit down in a moment. When everyone's sitting, we'll we'll take that meal together. Can we do that? Thanks. Thanks.